Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi. It's Friday morning, last day of Chalmoid, and I'm going to do a few words about the Haftorah today. I was planning to do it, and then it fell through, and now uh, we're doing it. I want to thank the Stefanski family again, uh, very generously stepping forward uh, to sponsor this, again, in memory of his brother, his yard said it's the last days of Pesach comes up, just as well, pay Nisham uh, and Aliyah. And um, I want to talk, of course, about the most famous of the Haftarah, and that's Isaiah 10, you know, Yeshayo, about the Mashiach time. Uh, there are two days here in Chutzlars. I don't know what they do in Israel. Do they do the, the Yeshaya Haftarah or do they do the other one? But I'm going to talk about the Yeshaya one and hope this can get to people in Israel on time. And with any further ado, let's jump into this. Uh, we have the famous Haftarah. Obviously, as I think everybody listening to this probably knows, according to the Jewish tradition, the destruction of Sancher happened on Pesach. That's why you have in the Haggadah or in the Piyutim actually, where, you know, you have references to the destruction of Sancher on the Seder night, and so on and so forth. And this all has to do with the general messianic idea, which is benis and nigalu benis and asin That one version, not the only version, but one version of the uh, messianic era process, I should say, is a Nisan one. As we all know, there are other versions of this. There's a Tishrei one, and there are others as well. Because if there wasn't, then you wouldn't be able to say, you wouldn't be able to say that, except in the two months of Nisan and, and Tishrei. So when the Rambam formulates it that way, right, so, you know, we want Mashiach now and so forth. Obviously, what you're saying is like this, and all that stuff, that's good too. But on the other hand, it's possible to come other times as well. Could come today. Well, today's Nisan, but you know what I mean, could come any time of the year. Okay, but specifically, uh, uh, I'm going to call attention to something I noticed, um, which is, I think, very, very uh, fascinating. And that's as follows. In the Haftorah, we have Yeshayahu Anavi, the prophet Isaiah, who lived in dramatic times. And uh, he lived, among other things, during the three kings, Ochaz, Chizkiah, and uh, Menashe. Ochaz was, uh, of course, extremely uh, wicked. Uh, Chizkiah was... Um, extremely righteous, and the Menashe was extremely wicked, more wicked than Ahaz. So it's a bad, good, bad. That's the times in which they live. And by the way, one was pathologically bad, one was pathologically good. Chizkei, because it's pathologically good. He went extreme, so we don't use, like to use that word. But it says, you know, he stuck a, 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 a sword in the door. At least that's what Chazal say. He said, if you don't send your kin Yeshiv, I'll kill you. <laughs> that's called pathologically good, okay? And, um, and he was successful to the degree that he was successful. And then Menashe was pathologically bad and actually killed the prophet Isaiah, among other things. Okay, now, um, the reign of Yeshayo, I'm sorry, the, the, the reign of Chizkiah, which is a, what a lot of Isaiah is about, is a weird one. And the reason it's a weird one is because Lechari was a good guy, the way he's described. I've t- earlier years talked about um, 
the Passover of Chizkiel, which is described in detail. It's fascinating, but you can listen to old podcasts. Uh, as most people don't know about it because it's in Divrayam and not Malachim. And most, for some reason, when they learn in schools, to the degree they learn anything, they learn, um, you know, the books of Nevi'im and not the books of Kesuvim. Do you understand? The books of Nevi'im and not of Kesuvim. Um, but whatever the case is, um, if you look in Kesuvim, which is tells you much greater detail about the kings of the south, so there's this whole business about Chizkiyo and his, what I call NCSY, Passover. That's just part of the idea that he was a real from guy. All right, let's leave it at that. So if he was a real from guy, then how come during his time, his kingdom was almost wiped out? Notice he had a terrible Holocaust happen. Because the basic story of Chizkiah is that he came on the throne, he frummed everything out. As I said before, he went to extremes to bring back Yiddishkeit, extremes, all which is good. And yet he was successful to uh, some degree. Because they say all the boys and girls knew Kachim and Tyrus, you know, you know that. So then how come he got the invasion of Sancheirub, which basically exterminated 90% of the country, if not more? If you study closely the kingdom of Yehuda, and he was a king of the south, it was during his time that the north was wiped out by Ashur. Okay, just to get this straight. So the ten lost tribes actually happened basically during the time of uh, Chizkiah, or the second half did. Anyway, um, why did he get it? Um, the opposite. The way it should have been is, oh, the North was wicked. They worshipped idols. Therefore, they got destroyed and invaded. Masha Ain came to South under Chizkiah was from, and they worshipped only Hashem. He destroyed the idols and so forth. Therefore, they ducked a bullet and Asher never invaded. That's the way, you know, it should be reading it, because the basic thesis of the biblical account in Malachim and Duryam and such places is good king, good times, bad king, bad times where the king was good, which is defined, right? Which is defined as, as um, you know, they uh, didn't worship idols. Um, I'm saying that as opposed to social justice and injustice, which is a more complex matter. But uh, if they just follow the Jewish religion and not other religions, there's a good king, good times. Then the kings prospered and they won victories and that kind of stuff. So, and when it's bad kings, it's the opposite. So Ochaz, for example, who was super wicked, if you read in both Malachim and Dibre Yaman, just the father of Chizkiah, he had a series of disasters, right? He had Mamash a series of disasters, military and otherwise, during his reign, and he would not change, you know, he wouldn't do Teshuva. So, okay, that's the usual template. What do we do with Chizkiah, who seems to have been a firm guy and got hit with the Holocaust? Because the Assyrian army invaded Judah, they destroyed all the cities, um, some of this is part is famous from archaeology. It's one of the rare cases where we have archaeological confirmation because they have what they call the Lachish relief, which you can go online and see if you just uh, look up the Assyrians and Lachish. If you want to see a big full page business, a full, uh, you know, 10 foot tall, really 10, 12, 15 foot tall uh, depiction of it, you go to the Bible Museum in Washington. And uh, anyway, they show the attack on the Lachish and the Assyrians killing everybody, impaling the prisoners, storming the city, and so forth. So in other words, basically what we have to understand is, to use American terminology, the whole country was invaded, everything was destroyed except New York City, and they were about to attack New York City, and then at the last minute it didn't happen. So in this case it's Yerushalayim, right? Uh, as I think everybody's aware, the Assyrian army marched forward, 
um, was ready to attack Jerusalem, and that night they died. Correct? And indeed, our Haftorah, and, and, and once he died, so then what happened? You know, Chizkiah survived, and the kingdom started slowly to pick up the pieces and uh, recover. But but that's not exactly how Isaiah in our Haftorah describes it. Rather, it's that the you know miracle happened. The Syrians invaded, then they died. A miracle happened, and then all of a sudden you're in Mary Poppinsville. Your mom is it's, it's, it's a utopia. It's Mashiach time. So that's not precisely what happened at all. The kingdom of Judah rather did recover. It was a long time, as one would imagine. You pick up the piece and do the best you can. Um, and they did. And, uh, you know, they were able to resettle the country. It must have been quite a time. I'm talking about the second half of the reign of Chizkiyo, after the destruction of uh, the Assyrian army, the miraculous destruction of the Assyrian army, and the fleeing of the rest of the Assyrian army. So what happened if you lived in Yerushalayim at that time? If you weren't in Yerushalayim, you got killed, most of them. So the people, the survivors, had to go out of Yerushalayim and settle or resettle the, the land and take over the farms. Do you get what I'm saying? It's it's a little bit like what it was like for the tribe of Benjamin after the Pelagish Begiba, you know, 600 were left. It was a lot of land to take over and resettle. But that's not how it's described in our in our um, Haftarah. He does the first half, which makes sense. No, it's a fits the historical description. And then he switches Yishayo to some glorious utopian future, which has not happened yet. Okay? So, um, how do we explain all that? More, more, moreover, it's clear that we read this on Pesach not simply because it happened on Pesach, although really, if that was the case, you should read it on the first, Haftar the first day, but, you know, we could debate that. You know what I mean? The miracle happened on the first day, uh, according to tradition. But rather that um, we consider the whole Pesach to be a time of Geula, and that's why they came up with this Haftarah. Um, so Pesach will one day possibly see the utopia of the Messianic era, okay? However, um, what's clear is that there's a very definite scenario of bad followed by good. Uh, is what we call apocalyptic messianism, which means, unlike, let's say, for example, the seculars or people like that, who say, you know, the world can progressively and slowly and peacefully mature to a messianic era. That's the shita of science. That was the shita of Marxism and all the other modern uh, philosophies at their best. That, listen, it is possible, uh, it's more than possible, that science will one day, if, if we don't destroy each other, let's just say, for example, you could get world peace. Let's just pretend for a second the nation will stop fighting each other and just put all the money for the science. They'll conquer the cancer. They'll conquer the COVID. They'll conquer everything. I'm not finished. They'd, they'll be able to provide food for everybody. It could be done at this moment. It could provide uh, prosperity for everybody. It could really be done at this moment. Uh, you could put the extra population on the moon or something like that. I mean, it could, it could be done. It could be done. Science is like a god. You understand? It could do anything. Just it takes time and money and all that. So then, if that were the case, if we lived in a world in which there was no disease that could really hurt you, and there's no hunger or this, that, and the other, and I'll play even more than that. Let's do like Jules Verne, you know? And let's say they create a bunch of robots that do all the work for us. 
Uh, so then everybody, mamas, can ishtachas gafno, ishtachas teno. Everybody just sit around and, uh, you know, have an easy life. It's, who needs a Mashiach? You're already there. Ah, you'll ask me a question, what will people do all day long? That you can't blame on a messianic gear. You know what I'm saying? I'm providing you with peace, prosperity, all the time, do whatever you want. If you don't know what to do with it, you just want to spend all day long listening on the internet, that's your problem. But, you know, the, the utopia will be there in the sense that all the materialism will be satisfied. That's the secular way. The Jewish version in the Torah is more disturbing. It's apocalyptic. There has to come something violent and bad, and then it'll be followed by good. Okay? And the classic model is is the invasion of Ashur. Uh, I'm serious. And on all the later versions of the messianic process are kind of like derived from that. Uh, there'll be something real bad, and then it'll be followed, and it'll be really bad, and it'll be a lot of dead Jews and others, and then there'll be divine intervention, and the bad guys will be destroyed through divine intervention. And in other words, it's so bad it'll require divine intervention. And then, for the, la- for the last two, three people that survive, it'll be, you know, a paradise. It'll be great. Um, that is what happened with Ashur. The Assyrian army came down, they killed a lot of Jews. Eventually, there was divine intervention, the Malach in the middle of the night, and the bad guys were killed, and then came a happy time. So, you know, the Gemara even says that Cheskia that could have been Mashiach. So, whatever his personal failings were, but the process, the template, as I would like to call it, was there. They had uh, the Jews sinned, and they had a terrible time, you know, tribulations, as they call them, and then, uh, and then at the end, there was a lot of death, and so on and so forth. But at the end, it was all good. And then comes Teresa Mason, I mean, Mashiach. It's unclear, you know, how it works. Uh, but it's some kind of utopian situation. You mamish find this in Daniel, who lives later on. And everybody's copied that model ever since. Uh, that's the Jewish version. So generally, it's called Gog and uh, And um, although the sequence is not exact, and I can't even say that. The Rambam, that's one guy. The Rambam said the sequence is not exact. We won't know till it happens. But Gaonim, and I've pointed this out in the past, have a detailed scenario that they suggest. I'm talking about Rahigon and You can look in the Munis Videos. Uh, I don't want to reprise what I've said in the past because you can listen to the old ones and, and get it. Um, but the Gaonim, I'm just give you a, a, a checklist. You know, first this will happen, then it'll happen. Mashiach ben ben Yosef will show up, and this will happen, and that'll happen, and that'll happen, and this will be killed, and that war, and then Mamish down to details. Uh, if you're interested in English, you get the Lewis Jacobs book, The Theology and Responsa, and look in the index. If you want the original Hebrew sources, uh, you get that wonderful three-volume work, or volume one, Barabbas Shepansky, from years ago, from 1966, the, um, what do you call it, the um, Mosdrav a very wonderful book. It's called Eretz Yisrael B'Sifrut HaTshuva. You know, you, 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 you understand from the title, right? As he puts it over here, In Yonei Eretz Yisrael Halacha V'Agodah HaNimtzim B'Sifrut HaTshuva Mimea Gaonim Ad HaYom HaZeh. So anything has to do in the Shalos and Shubas literature, including the Gaonim. That's the Eretz Yisrael. Well, guess what? You understand? Sure. Uh, there's a whole chapter here, and he has it with the wonderful text at the top and very beautiful footnotes at the bottom. This is... Uh, Rabbi Stepansky, who was a big gong, you know. He used to write for the, uh, what do you call it? The Hadarum and those kind of things. And um, 
he's got a whole section, Hagu'ulo Asido. You understand? And, uh, you know, the, with, uh, as I said before, with extensive uh, footnotes, and they give all the details if you're into that. So if you want to understand how the Ge'onim and people not like the Rambam understand how Mashiach said it'll work out uh, with all the suggestions, and you want to read it in Hebrew, because some of you write to me and you, you only talk Yiddish or Hebrew, which is fine, you know, obviously, obviously it's fine. Uh, then you can, uh, you can read it over there. I don't know if it's on the Hebrew books or not, but uh, he has the whole thing from high going and whatever, down to uh, down to details. Okay, now, which is originally in the Oats of Gonim somewhere. Right? It's in the Oats of Gonim on Sukkah, I think, if you if you want to get down to that level. Now, um, so they had a detailed scenario how exactly it's going to work. But one thing is clear in all these, and the Rambam kind of says so also, he says, to be some kind of wars and some kind of violence and some will be gogo magog, you know, but exactly when and where and how, fair vase. Okay, fair vase. The Kabbalists have, a, you know, their way of doing it. It's going to be violent, but not in the regular physical way, or maybe it is. I can't uh, claim though exactly. I want to point out one very interesting Nakuda, and that's the following. Is it simply Benison Nigalu and this and Asin No, listen closely. The story of Isis Rhyme is exactly the same way. There was violence and terrible and death, and a lot of Jews died. And then there's divine intervention. Agreed? When the divine intervention, the bad guys are destroyed, and then the good people escape and go into some kind of better existence. Not exactly in the same way. It's not like the Jews cross the Red Sea, the Egyptians are wiped out, and the Jews find themselves in the Holy Land. Right? Obviously, they went through the whole business of getting the Torah and going 40 years in the desert because they screwed up with the Mraga. I follow. But eventually they get to the Holy Land. If anything, that model is mamish the template of the world that you and I inhabit. Because it was supposed to be that they crossed the Red Sea, the Egyptians get wiped out, and then they go to get the Torah, and then they go right away to Israel. You understand? Know they go right away to Israel. As a matter of fact, if you read the story closely, if they hadn't started borching about the water, because as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they immediately said, we're thirsty, the water's no good, let's go back. You know this, you know this. And that kind of screwed things up. So it t- takes them weeks and weeks to get to Harsinai. I want to tell you right now, it does not take weeks and weeks to get to Harsinai. The Sinai did is not that big. You understand? If it takes weeks and weeks to get to Harsinai, it means that they have to go through a number of uh, experiences to sort of purify them or you know, educate them to be ready to go to Harsinai. You, you follow what I'm saying? The push of shot, as far as I understand, is let's say he crossed the Red Sea, and they all said Ozzy Asher, and they were holding by, you know, high level of Ruch uh, HaKodesh, um, high level of Frumkai, let's use that word. Then they could have gotten to Harsina very quickly, they got into Torah, then they could have marched off to Israel and spared themselves the books of Ayikra by Midbar and Devarim. You know, then they could have gone right away to Israel. It didn't happen that way, so that's their problem. Well, it's the same thing here, you understand? The Messianic template is Look, Ashur got wiped out by divine intervention. Then they should have immediately gone to Mashiach time. As the Chazal said, Yechizkiah could have been Mashiach. But as the Chazal put it, he didn't say hollow. That's a famous Gemara. I'm sure you know about it in Sanhedrin. Yechizkiah could have been Mashiach, but didn't say hollow. Um, which I think I understand the meaning of because he didn't tell everybody that what had happened was because of divine intervention. I, 
spoken about that in the past also. I don't want to get in a situation where I'm always referring people to old stuff. I just don't want to repeat what I'm saying all the time. Now, uh, listen closely. Go, go, mogo. How does that work? Go, go, mogo. So, and Mashiach and, 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 and uh, you know, um, as I said before, a paradise, uh, Olam Haba, Mason. These questions, what order they're in, or whatever, have never been solved by anybody. The Rambam tried to figure it out in some famous essays. Um, others speculated on You know, obviously we don't know. In Daniel, people going crazy until today try to decode Daniel exactly how it works. Many books are written by Goyim as well as Jews uh, trying to decode the exact order of what's going to happen in um, in in um, the time of Mashiach. And, you know, when will be Tchies HaMesim and all the rest of it. Here's the point I want to bring up. The, the, the consensus formed that, but not everybody agrees this way, but the, the general consensus formed that what's going to happen is things will be bad, then things will be good, and just when things are good, they'll be bad again. In other words, Jews have been gullus, and then comes the Mashiach, and brings to Israel and rebuilds the base of Migdash, something like something like that. And everything's going great. And then they get attacked by Gogomogog. Hear what I said? Was after the initial round of good, then comes the worst part of the bad. After the initial round of the good, then comes attacks and wars and violence of an extraordinary nature that will be so bad, as it says in the book of um, Daniel, that it will be the worst time that ever happened. I forgot the language, but the worst time to ever happen, like in the last two, three chapters of Daniel, be worst for the Jews ever since the world was created. So that's crazy. It should be that there's the bad and then followed by the good. Why does it have to be it's, it's bad, good, and then bad again, and, and unprecedentedly bad? You know, where you get that from? And it occurred to me, I don't know why, I never thought about it before, that is the story of Shri Shal Pesach. That's, that's the story of the last days of Pesach. Think exactly this. The Jews were slaves in Egypt and suffering terribly. And then Paro eventually lets them go. Okay, so they're gone. And then, no, it's not true. Paro then organizes an army to kill them. In other words, they're now going to suffering worse than they suffered before. Let's talk about anxiety. The Jews when they had their backs to the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh's chariots coming at them, Mamash blew it. I mean, you know, they went crazy, as we can see from the story. And they were terrified. And they all acted in different ways, as we know. And they were not wrong. The chariots and soldiers of Parob, had they been allowed to, would have killed all the Jews. They were disciplined soldiers and all that sort of thing. You know? And the Jews were not. So it would have been terrible. So that means that the worst times for the Jews and Jewish experience was after the Yitzhak Mitzrayim, was after the original Seder. Isn't that funny? It's not that, oh, things were bad, and then tonight, and that's the end of the story. No, it's not. Now, on the Haggadah, the way they wrote it, they want to emphasize that part, because the Haggadah is being recited on the night of Passover, when the original Seder happened, 
and therefore, Hotsiyonami Abdul Sakiris, and so on and so forth. It's okay with me too. But as we all know, the narrative is much more complex than that. After they left and wandered and whatever, came the attack from Paro, which was so bad that the Jews, and the story, the way the story, as we all know the story, it required divine intervention. You can't get more better example throughout history of a divine intervention than the Kriyas Yamsev. It's bigger even than the miracle of uh, Sanjerev, right? You know, when the army died. I mean, here the Imam saw the sea split. I don't have to tell you that. So in other words, they got the original, you know, divine intervention. So what does that mean? The worst attack came after the Gula. You, you hear what I'm going? And after the divine intervention, all the bad guys were killed. And their bodies, as we say, were, were swept on the shore. Which, in other words, you have a mass of the dead bodies of the of the bad guys, which is what happens. We're told in Isaiah in many places happened after the Sancheir thing that when all the dead the Syrians die, one hundred eighty five thousand, so the others flee, and then the Jews emerge out of Jerusalem, the besieged city of Jerusalem, to see a veldt of corpses, and we're told it took a month, took a long time to bury all the corpses. So in other you see a you see not only the death of the bad guys by divine intervention, but their mass graves piled everywhere. So I suppose the sight of that is like a very important factor in all this. Maybe to show them, you know, that they, they got what's coming to them or, or something like that. Uh, and and only then afterwards comes the good times. Now in the case of the B'nai Yisrael, they do indeed listen closely. What happens after the Divine intervention, the Kriyas Yamsuf, and the spitting of the dead bodies. Uh, the Jews go to Mashiach time. Those they go to Trias Hamais and all the rest. What am I talking about? When they get to Nasa Venetian, which was not that long later on, we all know for that moment they were holding my Mashiach time. You know, the Charis me Malachamaves, Charis me this. Those they hit the peak of human existence. I know they blew it. I know the story like you know the story. But for two minutes, let's put it this way, right? For 40 days, whatever, they, they didn't. So they went from, you know, Bara Mikta Tigurama. They went from being scared out of their minds to experiencing divine intervention. That's the story of the Kriyas Yamsuf. To the heights of the heights. To, they were holding, if they hadn't made Eglazov, they were holding when they say Nasa Vinishma by what you and I call. The Haftar, t- 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 uh, you know, uh, on, on Sunday, regards Avim Kevis, you know, the, you know, the line, uh, universal peace, uh, like I say, immortality, no more sins, and so on and so forth. They they, they hit the, the final end, okay? Uh, I don't know if it says exactly the Tchisa Mason, but I imagine, let's just say, let's pretend for a minute that they wouldn't have blown it and they would have kept all their spiritual stuff that they got from Nasim and Ishmael. <laughs> Stands the reason that then would be the end of time, it would be Tchisa Mason. Okay, uh, you know, Abraham Bain would come back and all the rest of it. Again, I know they didn't, but this is the model, the template. So you see that the Haftorah is taking place on the last day of Pesach in, here in Chutzlars. Last day of Pesach, when the same day that that happened, time you see some Israel. So we have model A or template A, which is the Kriyas Yamsa business, followed along by what I just said before. Then you have the same thing happened again by the time of Chizkiyo, who I repeat, the Gemara says could have been Mashiach. No, that could have been it. 
That scenario, Chazal tell us, qualified for the Messianic experience. It's just that the last minute they blew it. In the same way that they blew it when they when they made the Eglazov. They had the template right, they had everything right, and then at the last minute they messed it up. So that's what happened with Chizkiah. And when we say it now, that's what's going to happen in, 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 in the final Geula. Which means, as I said before, that there's going to be good, however you understand it, whether the Rambam's way, the Gonim way, or anything else, then it's going to be, I'm sorry, it's going to be bad, I, I said it. Then it'll be good, some savior will show up, you know, some kind of Mashiach-type person, who will do amazing things, but then will come the worst of all. You understand? Then will come the worst of all. Then it's the Gogumaga. Because the Gogumaga, the usual scenario is, he comes after the Jews in Israel for the, to, you know, for the final battle. Uh, and that final battle is nuclear, as we all know from the Haftorah, Zachary, that we say on, when is it on, um, Sukkot, you know, the, 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 the tongue will cleave to the palate, you know, and all this looks like Hiroshima and all that. So it'll be bad, bad, bad. And then will require divine intervention, as it says in, uh, Daniel, the Archangel Michael will have to intervene. That's another way of saying divine intervention, like happened to Kriyas Yamsev, like happened with the uh, Malach at the uh, uh, army of Ashur. And only then, after it's all over, will it finally be the final Geula. But my point is like this, provided we don't screw up. <laughs> you get it? In other words, if it follows the template I just said, you could, I, look, I don't want this to be, I hope I'm wrong. The uh, you, you could have the final uh, battle, and then the Jews will, will mess up, uh, you know, after the dust settles. The, the last 10 Jews will mess up. The same way happened to Harsini, the same way happened after after Chizkios, because when the Assyrian army was destroyed, for that moment, things were ready to happen. When the So in other words, how do you read Daftorah? Right? Let's let's get down to brass tacks. So you start by, uh, as is always the case, I keep saying again and again, Daftorah is, is, is a cut and paste snips and, and, and dribbles. They never start in the beginning of it because of time. And, uh, you know, they're not out to give a history lesson. But what we are, and when you read Yeshayo, so he's talking about the fact in chapter 10 that Ashur is Shevet Api. God says, this is before, uh, just before the, the Assyrian invasion, which scared the heck out of everybody. And I don't blame them because it was terrifying. The Assyrian armies got closer and closer and they used to kill people for fun and torture them and all the rest of it. And Hashem is saying, I'm angry at Asher, Asher Shevet Api. Asher should regard itself as the rod of my anger, meaning they're destroying the Jews because the Jews are bad. So I, God, am sending them as my instrument. So they should be humble and say, we are nothing but the instrument of the Lord. Okay? It's nothing but a stick of my anger. But then Asher starts, you know, their, their success goes to their head. And uh, they start thinking they're great. And God says, "Hayispor hagarzen al chotzi bo miskado hamashor al hamenifo." These are very famous sukim. Does an axe brag at the man who uses it? In other words, if I'm chopping down a, a tree with an axe, the axe is a dumb piece of, of metal. You know, it shouldn't be boasting. The person behind it is is the one boasting. Uh, but in this case, the axe is. So Ashur is the axe, and they're making fun of it here. And there, where God says, "I'll destroy Ashur because of their arrogance." And so on and so forth. Then, having set that up, then he says, "Now I'm talking to the Jewish people, and you better start making your pants because the Assyrian army is getting closer and closer." Uh, that leads into our haftorah. 
Uh, these are famous, very famous lines. When I was a kid, my father rammed this into my head. He said, Baal, I guess, over the Migron, the Michmashach of Kalov, the Assyrians, I think you know the geography of central Israel. The Assyrians marched against Ayas, and then they got to Migron, and they stored their baggage at Michmash. They crossed the pass saying, Wolajah Giva. Roma trembled, Givat Shaul fled. So to use American thing, the enemy army came, let's say they're going to New York. All right, they're only holding by Washington. Now they're getting close. They're in Baltimore. Now they're in Delaware. Now they're into Jersey. Now they're getting to Jersey City. You know, like that, right? Over my borough, give us. And then starts our, not in the Manmena, Yoshe, and he's, you know, and then our Haftorah, Od Hayom Benov. Today's Syria will stand at Nov, meaning at the outskirts of the city. And they'll wave their hand at Hartzion. So finally, the Assyrian army marching down, which was huge, can, is invisible sight of Harbas Zion, Kivat Yerushalayim. But then God is angry at them, and he says, now, this is Yeshaya talking before it happened. God will chop down the tall trees. He'll chop up the treetops with an axe, the tall ones will be felled, and the lofty ones lowered. Uh, and the Lebanon, right, the, the powerful tree of Lebanon, which here means Ashur, in the Gemara, people remember this from Kamsa by Kamsa, they say it means the base of Migush, but, you know, it's a Rashi for it. But the bush of Shalabonim is the powerful trees or Asher, Badipo, will come down crashing. Okay, so that means that there'll be the divine intervention and the army of Assyria will die. You and I know that. And then what? Then will come some amazing king from Yishai. So that could be Tzidkiyahu. Uh, now, by the way, this is a fight we always have with the missionaries. And if you read the Radak on this, he's, he has a whole anti-missionary word here. Uh, and this uh, king or leader will be perfect person. Uh, he'll be able to smell. He'll be able to smell. Here we have a uh, interesting historical note because... Um, the Rambam, as you all know, says that the Mashiach will be a regular human being. He'll be a very great person, no question about it. He'll be a national hero. He will reconquer Israel, rebuild the base of Dush, bring everybody to from, blah, blah, blah. Totally, you know, but he'll be a human being. He won't do anything supernatural. And the Ravid says, I guess, oh, really? There's a Gemara, I think in Sanhedrin, which says, Haricha B'yir Hashem, that the Mashiach will have supernatural abilities to be a judge. If two people walk in the court, he'll be able to smell, so to speak, which one is lying, which one telling the truth. Uh, that's supernatural. And uh, there is a Gemara which says, who is it? Was it? Yeah, I forget who it was. Somebody wanted, maybe it was Bar Kokhla. This is one of the many versions of the Bar Kokhla story. That's the trouble. And they got to tell you, you get multiple versions. According to one version of the Bar Kokhla story, Bar Kokhla claimed to be Mashiach. But then they said, well, if that's so, can you be Mariah Vidoin? Can you smell who's right? And they tried him out, and he couldn't do it, and they killed him. It's very different than the other Bakochwa accounts, I'm just telling you. And uh, the Ravid says, see, there will be supernatural Mashiach. You know, the Mephorsham Ram, the, the easiest way to say is Ramam didn't have that uh, uh, Agatha. No, he didn't have that Girsa. That, that's the easiest way to, to deal with it. Anyway, 
He'll be a perfect judge. He'll take care of the poverty and all the rest of it. The guards gave him keves and the lion will die with the lamb. And, and a little boy will be able to sit on the top of a serpent's nest and nobody will harm him. Knows to be a revolution in nature. Again, the Rambam says, is a mushal. A mushal will be peace in the Middle East. No comment. And you know, everything will be great. There'll be no violence anymore. It'll be a ruchnius revolution. And he even goes on to say, and then it'll start with the Jews and it'll spread to the Goyim. The guy will show up and will teach the world to, to keep peace. Okay? Uh, now, and, and incidentally, <laughs> this is funny, but it's sad. If you look closely, he's funny sad. The Mashiach will do amazing things. He'll do one, and then he'll do two. Two will be superior to one. Then he'll do three. Three will be top even two. He'll then do four. The fourth thing he does will be higher than even those. And then he'll do five. That'll be even bigger. What's it bigger? <laughs> he'll get the Jews to stop fighting with each other. Look what he says. When the foot is Yehuda Yekabetz, he'll bring Kibbutz Goliath. B'sara Kinnis Ephraim, B'sara Yehuda Kareso, Ephraim Lekanis Yehuda, B'hila Yitzhara Ephraim. The highest Madrega, beyond Chesa Mason, whatever, is he'll get the Jews to stop fighting with each other. That's a sad comment. That's a sad comment. Right? That's a sad comment. Uh, but anyway, he brings all this stuff together. Now, um, uh, what what is the uh, the point? And the, you know that's how he concludes on this high note. So the question whether you take it literally or not, you leave to the Rambam versus the others. But the key point is, as I understand it, that the template is there, in which um, has this applied to Chizkiah. The template is there. Times were good, and then they got bad. And then they got good, and then they got worse. Okay? So in other words, there was an Achaz, when things were bad. And then there was Chizkiah, who turned things around. He's like Mashiach. Meaning, he's a Messianic figure in that he, he, he led everybody to the right derech. And then came the Gogumog. Then came the invasion of Asher, which was terrible. And then came the destruction by God of the Assyrian army. And then should have happened right then and there should be the end of time in Mashiach's sight. They could have made Chizkiah, as the Gemara said, could have been Mashiach. In other words, with the destruction of Asher, the possibility was there that this could have been the end of time, but then the Jews messed up. So when he's talking about over here, to be a perfect king and the lion will lie down with the lamb and everything will be great, Yeshayahu is prophesying, this is possible now. If you, Chizkiah, and your door doesn't screw it up, you can have this now. If not, we will be condemned to repeat this scenario in the future. So, uh, there are other versions, I conclude by saying there are other versions of how Mashiach time will happen, and we all hope the other versions are correct, only because we don't want to live through Holocaust times. But the Pashat traditional Jewish formula that we're reciting on um, the Haftorah, on the last day of Pesach, is a uh, apocalyptic, it's a violent one. It contains holocausts, let's put it that way. Uh, uh, and the worst comes later, you know what I mean? Uh, and only after the final battle, which is so bad that there's no way the Jews can win. That's why it requires divine intervention. There was no way that Claw Yisrael could beat the Egyptian army when Pharaoh came with the 600 chariots plus the others. They couldn't do it. There were some Jews 
The Mechilta says, they told Moshe, these were the Meir Gahanas, let's fight them. But that simply means that they were tough guys, and they were brave, and said, better go down fighting than be wimps. I get it, but that's not, that wouldn't have worked. They simply would have had a heroic death. Instead, his Hashem. And we're going to see over here that Moshe says, no, this is a case for divine intervention. So Shema Mino, there's a certain part of the Messianic scenario which requires um, Gilu Shechina, you know, those open supernatural events. Uh, there's no way to survive the Gogo Magog without miracles, without, you know, divine intervention, which is scary, which is scary. So uh, we all like to, and me too, like to focus on the end. Like the Gemara says, Yesi v'lo yachmine. I want to be. I want to sleep through the whole thing and, and just wake me up <laughs> when it's over. But nevertheless, it's food for thought. This haftorah, because at the end of the day, all the haftorahs are there for Musr. Okay, all the haftorahs are there if you understand how to analyze them. All the haftorahs are there for Musr. So what is the Musr over here? Uh, because after all, you're just giving a glorious depiction of future or something like that. The Moser Haskell, of course, as I understand it, which is all I can do, is next time this happens, don't screw it up. You get it? Recognize the symptoms and don't mess it up. So um, I'll make something. I'm just going to make this up. The Holocaust in the 1940s uh, could have been this uh, Gogomogo. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just making it up. This is, the Holocaust could have been in the 1940s. So that would mean that was there, well, there wasn't divine intervention, you see. He says, you can't say it. It doesn't fit this pattern. Divine intervention would be, you know, if Hitler in 1945, the Germany would have one gigantic earthquake or something like that. I don't know, you know. A meteor would hit him and be wiped out. I mean, that would have been the type of thing. And then the question would be like this. So what do the Jews surviving elsewhere, what do they do at that point? You understand? The key element of this scenario is what do the Jews do after the miraculous intervention and the miraculous destruction of Gogomogog, if they hop around and do it right, and they say, okay, this time we're going to stay on the straight and narrow path, then all the good stuff will happen. If they don't, then the cycle will simply have to repeat itself. So that's scary. I mean, I should live through a time in which we go through this junk again, and you have another Gogomogog, and then when the Gogomogog is over, we, it's not the end of history, it's not Mashiach time, we have to do it again. And again, um, oh boy, and that's food for thought if I ever heard about it. I conclude that by wishing everybody <laughs> a uh, happy last days. I want to thank the sponsors again, and then the Shamas of all the people in whose memory is sponsored. Brother should have an Aliyah. And with that, I bid you a good Yontif. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.